Psalm 116 verse 15 states, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And while that verse is true, that does not mean that that verse is easy to receive. The hearts of many believers across the world are heavy and have been for the past several days with the news of the death of the U.S. missionary John Allen Chow on the North Sentinel Island in the Indian Ocean. Stories have continued to unfold since his death just before the Thanksgiving holiday, and most of those stories, as expected, are not very fair. They are very much biased in a negative way. And so my desire in this episode of Strike the Match is to provide the other side of the story. This is season four, episode number eight, and my guest in this episode is Dr. Pam Arland, She is a member of the International Leadership Team with All Nations and has personal experience, personal knowledge related to the topic at hand. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. It was during the Thanksgiving uh, holiday uh, just last week uh, when I was with family that I uh, was checking my uh, my Twitter feed and uh, reading the news headlines that I uh, began to see information about the death of an American missionary. And and of course, uh, obviously that uh, raised uh, my uh, my interest in, in clicking on it. Uh, found out about a young man, 26-year-old John Allen uh, Chow of uh, Washington State, uh, having been killed on a remote island, the North Sentinel Island in the Indian Ocean. And uh, of course, you know, my my heart breaks like your all's as well whenever we hear of of something like that happening uh, in the body of Christ. But then over the next few hours, and then what became a few hours became a few days, uh, the, the, the media uh, did not slow down, and can, it continued to pick up, and it picked up with a great deal of steam, and all these stories began to, to flow out about this issue related to this, this American missionary. And so uh, once I returned home, um, the stories continued, even in fact, uh, just as of this morning, I checked, and there are several new uh, stories out on this particular topic. And so when I returned home, I um, contacted All Nations, uh, the mission agency uh, that uh, uh, was a part of training and, and seeing John sent out, and, and asked them if they'd be willing to come on to uh, the program to, to share their side of the story, because uh, as you all well know, secular media uh, is not too keen on things happening in the body of Christ, especially when it comes to issues related to unreached people groups and disciple-making and missionaries. And so uh, my guest on the episode uh, today is uh, Dr. Pam Arland. She is uh, a member of the International Leadership Team with All Nations. Uh, she spent uh, 10 years in Central Asia as a church planter and Bible translator, and uh, she spends a, a good deal of time right now training and coaching uh, disciplers who will go and make uh, disciples and be involved in planting churches. And, uh, and she just reminded me a few moments before uh, the, the starting of this, uh, uh, this recording that she also reviewed uh, my book, Apostolic Church Planting, uh, some time ago. And so 
I'm thankful for that, Pam. Uh, Pam, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation uh, today. So welcome to Strike the Match. Thank you, J.D. I'm happy to be here. Well, you know, I want to begin by saying that um, you know, there are so many people uh, that right now have you, have all nations, have, have John's family and friends in, in, in our thoughts and our prayers, uh, including myself, uh, during this time, because uh, it, it, is, it is a time, obviously, that everyone is still in mourning. There's still frustration, uncertainty, and, uh, and the international spotlight is, is, is still you know, shining on, on you and the organization. And so, so just, just know that there are, there are a lot of folks uh, that are thinking and praying right now. Thank you, J.D. I really appreciate that because we know that prayer is powerful and prayer can change things. So thank you so much. Amen. So uh, could you tell us uh, a little bit uh, before we kind of jump into the kind of the story, uh, talking about what, what has been unfolding and taking place, but j- just to kind of set us up, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Pam. Tell us a little about, uh, about All Nations uh, and, and what, the, what the organization does. As you mentioned earlier, I spent 10 years myself as a field missionary, a church planter, and a Bible translator in Central Asia. And then I transitioned out of that role about 10 years ago as well and began to train and care for other missionaries that All Nations sends out. Right now we have about 300 missionaries on the field who are sent out from four different global locations. Less than half of our All Nations missionaries are Westerners. The other half are from places like Africa or from places like Asia uh, going out as missionaries as well. And what we do is we look around the planet and we see where there are no churches working and where there are no missionaries working. And then we go there and we try to introduce the people there to the great love of Jesus Christ. So so you are are very much involved in working among uh, the unengaged, unreached people groups that are on planet Earth. Yes, we're very much involved with the unreached and unengaged Uh, We use the term neglected people in-house just because it's a little bit broader. And if there's a group like factory workers of Shanghai or taxi drivers of Cairo who also haven't had a chance to hear about Jesus, then we will also go and make sure that they have a chance to get to know Jesus too. So tell us a little bit about uh, typical training, uh, typical process for someone who is going to be sent uh, from all nations. Yeah, we have an in-house training that's called the Church Planting Experience, or CPX for short. And it starts off with three weeks in one of our locations like Kansas City, um, interacting with staff, uh, learning the basics of church planting. And then after that, there's a one-year online internship that people also complete. They meet every week in cohorts that are online. They um, actively go throughout their communities and, and practice and share what they've learned and also read articles and books together during that year. Let's talk a, a little bit about the, the unfolding story that has been uh, taking place uh, over the past uh, week, week and a half. Uh, take us back to sometime between November 16th through November the 18th, uh, the, the time that, uh, that in all, somewhere in that time period that, that John, John was killed. And, and, and help us understand what, what took place. How, how did this tragedy occur? Yeah, just so that you know, um, All Nations had no direct contact with John Chow after October 18th. So those things that we know about his last few days, we know from his journals, and All Nations was specifically mentioned in his journals because he wanted to make sure that we got a chance to know the last days of his life. 
And so I think people should know that um, John went to the North Sentinel Islands with the expectation that any travel ban by the Indian government had been lifted. There were widespread news reports in August 2018, uh, especially in the Times of India, listing that the North Sentinel Islands, among 28 other islands, had been opened to travel and tourism. So when he went there, he felt that he was legally allowed to go to these islands. But he still knew that it was dangerous, of course, and he knew that he would need to have an application process with the locals to be able to land on their island. And so he attempted several different ways to give gifts. He um, offered fish at one point. He offered some scissors, I believe, and a few other small gifts. And at one point, he thought he might actually be received, um, but that turned out to not be true. And one of the uh, younger folks on the island shot John with an arrow, uh, but the arrow pierced John's waterproof Bible. And so John was not significantly injured. And then John decided to go back to a boat that was waiting for him offshore. And he prayed and he asked God if God really wanted him to go back and try again, or if he should stop. And he felt like God wanted him to go and try again the next day. So the next day, John decided that he would go and try again. And we don't know for sure what happened that day. Um, what's interesting is that although his journals are available, few people notice that John had already started taking linguistics notes, for example, because he wanted to learn the language. He had already started taking anthropological notes because he wanted to learn the structure of their society and he wanted to become a part of the society. Um, entering into that island the first day was just the first of a long-term plan that John had in mind, and he was already starting to implement that long-term plan. And so honestly, we're not sure what happened after that. Uh, the next day, the people who were on the boat uh, looking offshore uh, felt that they saw um, a body that looked like John's. Now, John, of course, is much lighter in skin tone, although he, he's Chinese. He's not a white guy. He's still lighter in skin tone than the locals on the island. So they felt that they recognized his skin tone and had testified that there were 17 of the North Sentinelese who were burying John's body on the sand, in the sand on the shore. To make certain that, I, that I've heard you correctly, so when John went, he had heard that the ban had been lifted, and so what he was doing going to the island uh, was was allowed from from the notes that he left behind. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct, J.D., and maybe you'd like to include in your program notes even some internet links that express that those islands were open. And John Chow, uh, as an all-nations missionary, of course, he also sent out newsletters regularly and in one of his last All Nations Missionary newsletters, he declared with joy that the travel ban had been lifted and so that he would be able to go to North Sentinel at last. And I think that's really important uh, to hear that because what has been communicated in the media has been that uh, that was indeed uh, you know, restricted territory, uh, that there was uh, no outsiders that were to be permitted, that the Indian government has the, uh, the eyes-on, hands-off approach. Yeah, and according to the articles that we've read, you know, they say things like North Sentinels open for tourism. Um, so 
uh, John Chow himself certainly thought that he was legally able to go to those islands at this time. One of the things that uh, you know has come out within the past few days, uh, obviously this would be unbelievers speaking into this matter, and, and who knows, maybe even some Christians as well, but uh, the issue of even his mental capacity. Uh, I saw a headline saying something about the fact that, that he was insane. Um by going to these people, by doing what he did, uh, c- could you comment on on that? What you know, what what was John's relationship with the agency? What was he like when he was with you? Uh, is there any uh, truth to that that claim? John was one of the most sane human beings I think I've ever met. He's also one of the most humble and gentle human beings I think I've ever met. He was the kind of man that babies were attracted to just because he was so calm and gentle. And, you know, the first time I ever talked to John on the phone, um, I was impressed immediately because I started asking him, you know, what have you read and what have you done? And he started to tell me how he had already, you know, completed a bachelor's degree in health and sports science, and he'd already has successfully completed wilderness survival training, and he'd already completed emergency medical technician training. And so this was a man who was was putting things in place. So I honestly asked him, I said, well, why would you need all nations? I said, all nations doesn't know how to get to North Sentinel. That's really not something that we can help you with. And he said, I need help in two areas. He said, I need prayer. And he said, and I need to know what to do after I'm successful at being accepted on the island. He said, I need to know how to learn language. I need to know how to learn culture. And he said, and I want to be a disciple maker who makes disciples. And he said, you guys know multiplication. And so those are the things that I want you to teach me how to do. And I said, those things we can help you with, John, and we'd be happy to partner with you in those things. So I think John was one of the most humble well-prepared missionaries I've ever had the pleasure of knowing at the time that he was at Whiskey Town um, working there in, in wilderness so that he could, um, you know, get his wilderness skills up to par. He asked me for a reading list, and I think he finished reading about one book every three days while he was there. Wow. Wow. You, you know, that, uh, and that is so important to hear because what I'm hearing you, sh- you say is that uh, here is someone who was was in his right mind. That uh, he is he's training, he's preparing himself. He once he gets there, he's he's taking notes, uh, you know, on anthropological issues. He's wanting to figure out how to communicate effectively. Of course, in the beginning, you know, there is no understanding of the language. So, uh, of course, he's he's speaking the only thing that he knows, uh, according to the reports. Uh, but what I'm hearing you you share is that. Here's an individual who also had thought through an an entrance strategy and was was wrestling with okay what is my what is my strategy that will sustain me once I get there. Yeah, that's right. Um, John, as an all nations missionary, held our values, and our values are long term relationship building, and that's what he was preparing himself for. And it's a shame that he never got to do that. Um, We do trust, of course, that his sacrifice will not be wasted by the Lord. Um, One thing that I do know is that John counted the cost, and even in the last few hours in his journal, he counted the cost again, and he decided that Jesus was worth it. And that challenges my own heart um, to decide again, day after day, that Jesus is worth it. 
Um, so John has taught me a lot in that regard, and I hope that we can all have that daily challenge in our hearts. Let me go back to, to something you said earlier about, about his, uh, his pre-entry uh, preparation, and, um, and it, it, because I think it ties in and speaks to the issue that is, that is being raised probably the, the, the loudest in the international media right now, and that, and that is the issue about bringing disease uh, bringing disease from the um, from the the modern world, so to speak, if if I can use that expression, to an isolated remote people that have been been isolated from uh, such microbes for for you know long long genera- generations. Um, was John aware of those matters related to just public health, and how did his background, his training in that, prepare him for that? Yes, John, as an all-nations missionary, was very well aware of those issues, and that's part of the reason why he sought out that EMT training, um, because he wanted to make sure that he could be aware of when people were getting sick and what he could do about it. We also know that he was actively seeking out 13 different immunizations. Basically, if there was an immunization available, he was going to get it. And we also know from his journals that he's spent his last few days in a kind of quarantine because he wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to be exposed to any kind of cold or flu or anything like that. And, you know, the truth is that we don't know exactly what would happen with this kind of a first contact situation, but there is good reason to believe that in the time period of modern antibiotics and modern medicine, that a people group could, with those helps, actually survive a first contact. You know, this isn't the 1500s or the 1600s anymore. Um, We think that we could provide the necessary medical supports uh, for the North Sentinelese. And John had thought through that. I mean, he loved them. He wanted them to live. He didn't want them to die. And he would for sure never do anything that would deliberately endanger them, even to the point of going there unarmed in the first place, even to the point of never fighting back, um, even when his own life was in danger. So yes, he did think through those issues as well. I read an article this morning uh, that was raising another issue uh, about uh, him going uh, to this island, uh, and it was an individual talking about uh, the matter of colonialism. And so, you know, as we know, and many of uh, the listeners know, there is a history uh, with uh, those coming from the West, uh, bringing a, a heavy dose of colonialism uh, and Western culture to, uh, to peoples and eradicating their culture and uh, doing a lot of harm in the name of Jesus. And so this article was written by an individual that uh, was uh, was Native American and speaking about the issue that took place in, in um, her history in the United States. What about John in this issue of colonialism? With, with his training, you know, was, was that ever an issue that he talked about? I, I know all nations, just based on what you've just said in this podcast, are, is an organization that's clearly you know, anti-colonialistic approaches to missions. But can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. You know, a lot of times when people think of missions, they think of colonialism. And honestly, the North Sentinelese Islands do have a really dark history of colonialism. But that that history has nothing to do with missions. Um, it's a dark history of colonialism. But uh, once again, there's no link to missions on the North within the North Sentinelese. 
And so what I want to say is that John held our all nations values and the all nations values are to train local leaders and to release them into the full glory that God has put in them um, as early as possible. And so John had no desire to rule over them, to have anybody else rule over them. In fact, one of his goals was to help them to become the leaders that they were meant to be by God and guide and direct their own people. Is there anything else uh, that we need to know, at least from uh, all nations' perspective of what's taking place, that, that we haven't talked about? Is there anything else that we need to be aware of uh, that would be helpful to hearing the other side of the story, so to speak? Yeah, you know, I think it's important for us to know that John was humble and gentle and that he was a thoughtful man, that he didn't just get uh, an idea and suddenly run off and do this, that this is something he's been planning for, praying for, preparing for, for 10 years. And so I, I think it's important for people to know that. And although the North Sentinelese, of course, are an extreme group, there are still many, many people groups who have not yet had a chance to hear about Jesus. And most of them are high in mountains in the middle of deserts. They're in places that are difficult to get to, although not as difficult as the North Sentinels. Um, but I hope that we can hear um, that John decided that Jesus was worth it. And I hope that many of us will also think about the glory of Jesus among some of these peoples and that we'll our hearts will fall in love with those peoples in the same way that John's did. I mean, his heart fell in love with the people that he had never met. And I think that only God can do that in our hearts. And I want people to know that John fell in love with the people that he never met and that he loved them even at the moment that they were attacking and killing him. Uh, Dr. Arland, I, I know that there are folks that are, are listening and they are wanting to know, how can, how can I connect with all nations? Uh, how can I find out more about going through all nations to serve? Because your, your heart, your vision, your, your organization's passion for, for making disciples among the unengaged, unreached people groups and seeing churches multiplied among them, I know that, that will resonate with a lot of the listeners so, so how can they connect with All Nations and find out more information about, about what you do? Yes, we would love to connect uh, more people with All Nations, and they can go to our website, which is allnations.us. That's allnations.us. Or they could just send us an email also at info at allnations.us. That's info at allnations.us. My guest on this episode of Strike the Match uh, has been Dr. Pam Arland. We've been talking about an incredibly weighty matter. Uh, my, my heart is very heavy during this time, and we want to continue to pray uh, as, uh, as a body for all nations. We want to pray for, for Pam. We want to pray for, uh, for obviously, John's, John's family and his, his parents as they grieve during this time. And we want to pray for the missionaries that are connected to all nations uh, as well. So uh, as you listen to this, I, I want to encourage you uh, to spend a few moments after this podcast is over with just lifting up uh, these brothers and sisters in the Lord uh, and in days to, days to come. Uh, Pam, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation today on Strike the Match. Thank you. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. You can find JD on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at JD underscore Payne. 
And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jvpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.